and we are back here on the D and David Show on ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. And coming in studio with us, you can find him here in Second City in Chicago, the nightly show and Comedy Central period. We checked him out at the Promontory. Shout out to Dave Halem for the hookup. We have comedian and satirist Melonius Monk. Yeah. I'm here. Oh, man, everywhere. Son, y'all can't see this, but they don't have sound effects. They're really clapping. Yeah, really clapping. Bananas. I like that. <laughs> we're fans. <laughs> we're fans, yeah, bro. We're fans. We're like fans. Y'all don't yeah. had a little button. Y'all just like, nah. We nah, nah, nah. This is <laughs> authentic <laughs> clapping. This is nice. How you doing today, bro? I'm, I'm tired because I'm old, but I mean, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm old. Thinking about it, it's mostly old. I was looking at <laughs> I was looking at the timeline, and I just put two and two together. And I uh, definitely saw you if you're a wonderful lady and you're about to have a seat. Yeah, man. I'm about, yeah, to, have man. I'm about to have a seat, unfortunately. Yeah. I love my baby. Fortunate. He meant fortunately. He meant fortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, and, uh, but you know what? You brought that up when we were at the promontory yeah. about being an older dad coming into the situation and how it's going to be. So what are your thoughts, man? You got seven weeks before it's, it's on? Look, not even that now. It's like five. She's 35 weeks. Oh, as of Tuesday that just passed. It's technically any day now. Yeah. Um, and she can't roll over by herself. You know what I mean? She's at that point where I got to lift her up and, and help her get. Because she's tiny. She's okay. not. She's not built to do work. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a beast of burden at all. Right, she's right. a she's a dainty little flower. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, just the idea of being my age and, and trying to figure it's a little boy allegedly. You know, we'll figure it out when he's seven or eight. But right, <laughs> he's gonna ask me to teach him how to shoot jumpers and throw footballs, and my shoulder's really not in condition for all of that. Like we, my joints don't heal okay. like they used to. So yeah, one of you guys is gonna have to. Get a YouTube tutorial or something. I'm we not doing it. We got <laughs> some shorties around that can help yeah, out. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny you said being in a, being a, a guy. You're still young, but still not Fish. being in your 20s and having a kid. But do you feel a sense of, uh, of I, I don't know, uh, well-being that, you know what? You've kind of gotten your life in order before you went into this or whatever. Yeah. Instead of being young and trying to gain all the accolades that you have, you've already kind of knocked something down already. Yeah, I, it's a little more stability. Whether it's financial, I think it's more of a mental stability where you've gone through enough things where you know you can handle it, yeah. right? Like like there's that that point when you're younger and you get a little uh, some turmoil comes and you go I've never been through this before I don't know what to do next hopefully I'll get through it at my age whatever comes up I'm like ah, I've been through this before we've mm-hmm. gotten through it before it's gonna be fine let's keep it pushing and you know got a great partner my wife's the same way she believes in everything we're doing so yeah it, it if I had done it earlier and was trying to get my comedy career off the ground while having a kid I probably would have stopped doing comedy too much yeah be real yeah yeah i mean it's kind of sort of the same thing here i mean when we started off in uh, radio down here at uh ims chicagolandsportsradio.com my wife i think she had just found out she was pregnant right. when i first uh, with our little girl she's four now ken how old was kenton three three yeah. so yeah it's definitely I saw a sh- pictures of us graduating with you holding her and the kids yeah i mean she was a, that was a baby baby <laughs> but I, I feel you though it is it's a little bit tough when we's like you know i'm gonna go for my dream i'm pregnant yeah. Whoa, okay. Whoa, all yeah. right, all right. It's a we little bit tough, but to you move. do. Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to be moving to New York um, mm-hmm. because the nightly show had just started to become like a regular thing. And I was like, look, I'll move out here. Some more opportunities open up. And she's like, yeah, but I like my doctor. I'm like, oh. yeah, you know what? That That's it's not a decision for me to make. That was yeah. one of those where you go, hey, she's put a lot on the hold, on hold for my dream. I'll make, an, I'll make exceptions. I'll figure out how to get out there. I'll figure out how to travel back and forth and make time for it. But she should be comfortable because she's the one carrying this. I don't have to do right. anything at all. You're damn right. The hardest yeah. thing I do is stand in front of people and say words and hope they laugh. If they don't, my day doesn't end poorly. Exactly. <laughs> you know right. I mean, I'm going to still get a shot and go home and have a night, good night. Look, <laughs> I'll tell you how important it is that she likes her doctor. I remember when, when our child came into this world and my girl's doctor hadn't got there. Shout out to Dr. Goodall. Sister. Turn up. 
And uh, listen, first of all, it's going to be crazy if you're going to look at it happen. Prepare yeah. yourself. Yeah. And the lady, this black sister got in the pocket so stared down. <laughs> Johnny I saw blood splattering. It hit her glasses, and she still was locked in. Was in there. You need, listen, you get a she good got, doctor. I'm telling you, you, you get gonna, Johnny, you they got to have a Johnny Bench <laughs> need. They got to be in there. They get in there. And it doesn't matter whether the ball is going left or right. They they stay with it. Keep their eye on the ball. And they don't wear protecting, protective no. gear. Mm-hmm. Nothing. They just stay in there. That's amazing. It's the nastiest thing I've ever seen. Nasty. <laughs> if you want kids to stop having premarital sex, what you need to do is stop giving them condoms. Stop giving them the speech. Show them birthing videos. You're right. And that will stop you. You're like, I don't want to be in there anymore. Yeah. They let that hurt. That looks painful. <laughs> I don't want to do it now. <laughs> now, look, you from out east. You from Jersey, New York. Yeah, yes, both actually. Okay. I uh, uh, lived in Harlem for a while, lived in Newark for a while. Um, you used to steal cars in Newark? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, shout, out yeah. to, shout out to carjackers yeah. worldwide. <laughs> so, this is my honest answer immediately. You used to use a carjacker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, me. Yeah. Jersey Drive was all about me. <laughs> That was my first, first credit. credit right, right. Drive. It was a, it was an uncredited role because it was just kind of like some raw footage B roll of me actually stealing a car right. while they were filming a scene where someone was stealing a car. But yeah, ran into a few graveyards back in my day out Weekway Park. Shout out to all of the Weekway Park Brick City people. <laughs> what got you? What got you here to Chicago? We know the comedy. When when did you come here and uh, start messing with Second City and everything like that? So 2011, I was on TV in New York on a channel called WPIX 11. That's uh, a Tribune station out there. Okay. Okay. And the news director moved here, and at the end of 2012, and he says, "Look, the show is missing something." Let's get this guy. So he brought me out here to do Touch Vision. That lasted three years. Mm. But in the meantime, I was still doing, you know, Laugh Factory shows, Jokes and Notes shows, whatever I could to keep my comedy going because it's harder here to do stand-up than it was in New York for me. It's just a million places to do it in New York. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I get here. um, I was doing a thing with Dave Helen. We were doing our Blips to Life show at the Promontory. A guy named Billy Bungaroff saw us doing it there, decided he wanted to bring that over to Second City. So Afrofuturism was born. Um, that's got some looks from some production companies, some networks, major networks. It's a great show, it. man. It's a great it's a, show. It's a fun thing. Thank yeah, you, man. It's, definitely. It's, that's the blackest thing I've ever been a part of, and I've been <laughs> a, a lot of cookouts. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is super black. It's, yeah. it's an uncomfortable level of black where you start going, hey, we all supposed to be here? Yeah, right. You right. Know, this is old town. I don't know. <laughs> How how late can we stay? Is this okay? It's been a rough week, uh, people. Uh, it's been a rough week. But right. yeah, it's, uh, it, so that happened. Uh, that started at the end of last year. We did a BET showcase together first, and then it turned into it was supposed to be two shows in January, and now this is July. We're still doing it. It brings uh, everybody in, too. Because when we were yeah, there, it was, a, it was predominantly white people yeah. there, but, and they were just laughing their ass off with us. They don't have yeah. a choice. You're right. No, no, right. It was, was kind of... We sitting right behind the three brothers, sitting right behind this like, yeah. nice little group of white kids. Yeah, yeah you better laugh. We was ready to set You better... I, oh, I will, don't, I will come off this. I can see all of you directly. Don't make me... But no, nah, it, we're taking it to D.C., okay. so that's going to be fun. We just had... Uh, Membership of the Dusable Museum came through and saw it last week, so that was probably our blackest audience. Okay, but it's everywhere. Every every group that's seen it, black, white, Latino, young, old. Yeah. Uh, other than this one really old couple that said that the N words ruined Second City as they were walking out. Uh, wow. I think everybody else has enjoyed it. So they waited till they was leaving before they left. Yeah. Well, they they left in the middle of the show. Oh. And then they said it to the, the hostess. Away. Yeah, but you know, I mean. They'll die eventually. You know what I mean? Like it's, you don't even wish we're at poor on them. They, they're 109 years old, and you know they got some demons they got to deal with or whatever. Dean Davis Show right here, ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. In studio with us right now, comedian 
Polonius Monk. Uh, two things I want to uh, definitely get your thoughts on. You just said that you was doing uh, shows down down at um, Jokes and Notes. Yeah. They're gone now. It's not that many. Yeah. Beside Revival, when you were um, helmed down there on 50, 55th Street. Yeah. But give us your thoughts on that, man. Jokes and Notes. So Mary Lindsay is a, 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 a treasure. She's a citywide treasure. She was a part of All Jokes Aside, uh, which was the, the club that preceded Jokes and Notes. Mm -hmm. um, and then she ran Jokes and Notes for over a decade. It's just yeah. an amazing venue. Gave so many people opportunities. So many of the people that we're watching on TV now came through Jokes and Notes. At Dion Cole, at Lil Rel, D-Ray Davis. All of these people came through Jokes and Notes. So to see it gone, um, I mean, there were, there were comics crying. Yeah, I bet. The last weekend, you know what I mean? Like, they realized this was their last time on this stage that had given them so many opportunities. Guys like, like Willie Lynch Jr., who was just on uh, uh, Axis, Gotham Comedy Live. Just all of these people whose career she's launched. And I'm hoping, you know, I mean, it's clearly up to her, but I'm hoping she pops back up at some club, opens another club, does something else, because there's so few opportunities on the South Side, period. Yeah. And the comedy game kind of mirrors everything else as far as resources. All of the resources tend to be on the North Side, on the South Side, mm -hmm. fewer resources, more people fighting for fewer spots, and it, and it gets ugly. So I would, you know, the revival's there now, Promontory's doing more shows, we're doing some things, we're venturing out, we did a show at the Silver Room, uh, okay. over there with Eric, it was just an amazing time, so we're yeah. taking spaces that maybe aren't comedy spaces, and turning them into comedy spaces. And also, too, I was like I said, I was reading a few articles on you, and you really love Hyde Park. I love Hyde Park. And I'm, 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 I'm over there right now. Yeah. I, mean, grew, I grew up in Inglewood, yeah. and that was the one neighborhood. Uh, you grew up uh, on the south side. I was like, man, I'm going to live over in Hyde Park. It's yeah. nice over there. Yeah. But, yeah, give us your thoughts coming from New York, going to Hyde Park, man, yeah. and your love for the, for the neighborhood. So so my first, my first thought when I moved to Chicago is how come – all of the groups live in different Segregated. places. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that segregation <laughs> outside of like Mississippi was a thing. Mm -hmm. I was blown away. I'm like, I really thought, I, I can't explain to you how surprised I was. Like, it was, what? Well, where are the Puerto Ricans? Humble Park. All of them? <laughs> like, like, none of them, can, no one can live anywhere on the campus. Okay, a couple on campus, but the rest of them in, wow. So, so where the Mexicans? Little Village in Pilsen. Back to yards. That's All it. of them? Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. threw me off. So, when I got to Hyde Park, the first time I went to Hyde Park, I um, I felt like I was in New York in the sense that there were Asian, white, black, all in one. You know, I still have their little boundaries, but it's smaller yeah. buffers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That 53rd Street corridor, if you go out on a weekend, you will absolutely see every type of person. Mm -hmm. You've got University of Chicago down there, so you got a lot of younger people there. Uh, the white kids haven't gotten to the point where they're afraid, so they we will venture all the way down. You know what I mean? Like it's, they used to be right, right. They used to be, but now it's it's now it's so clean and there's a Chipotle. That's beautiful. Right, right. And <laughs> there's there's a Jamba Juice. It's awesome. But uh, everyone is kind of there and they're all mixing together, and it's a nice environment it always feels safe i never go out there and think ah something might pop off yeah. even though something might pop off but it doesn't feel like yeah, it yeah. right so you got from 53rd down where the promontory is almost all the way up like past kenmark where the where the uh heralds is mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. chicago people know where that is yeah. uh and then over to 55th where uh 55th and woodlawn 55th and university where you know the woodlawn tap and, and yeah, the revival yeah. and all those things that's a big space that's a big chunk of the city on the south side that just feels different than the rest of the city. It's Man. it's not segregated. People seem to have a little bit of money, but every now and then there's some homeless people there too. Yeah. There's there's every wealth 
or income level there because as much as you have these really big expensive houses on you know 51st going towards the end you also have houses where people are paying regular rent mm-hmm. you know 900 bucks a month and th- mm-hmm. so yeah high park feels like brooklyn to me and that everybody is there it's every type of housing it's every type of income level there people who have a lot of money people who have none and that's, you know, kind of my thing. Yeah, I just yeah. wish the train ran straight through. I know, right? <laughs> Man. That's it. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, some, a few uh, TV co- comedians uh, now mm-hmm. have their own TV sitcoms like Mike Epps and uh, yeah. Dion Cole, who you just mentioned earlier mm-hmm. from Chicago. Of course, uh, Kevin Hart is doing his thing with uh, movies right Everything. now. Everything. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, how know, do you right? feel about, about uh, do you think it will open up uh, doors for more comedians to get uh, TV sitcoms and more movies like yourself? Yeah, I think right now uh, comedy is going through a revival it used to be uh the 80s were a great time early 90s were a really good time especially for black comedians because you had deaf comedy jam and comic mm-hmm. view and all those things yeah. happening and then it just faded away yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, and i think it was because you know imitation is the best form of flattery and people saw this one thing working and all of the comics started to sound like bernie mac and martin lawrence and you could go to any comedy club and see eight comics and they all sounded like someone you saw on tv so when you started getting these guys like Dion and Hannibal Burris who had different voices, I think it started to become viable again. When you have a guy like Louis C.K. who can put his own comedy album out on his own website, website mm-hmm. yeah, and in two weeks make a million dollars. He did 220,000 downloads at $5 a pop. If you can make a million dollars on your own, companies start going, hey, we're missing money. Mm-hmm. Maybe comedy is the place to be. Mm. And the other thing is, this is one of the ugliest periods of time I, I can remember since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Like this last... Two years stretch. We could go back even to 2013 from Trayvon Martin moving yeah, forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessarily the start, but that was the start of when it just started to seem like it was every day. It was First it was once a month. Then it was once a week. And then this week, it's literally been every single day. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, the, the, the uh, Dallas Police Department gets shot. Then I wake up this morning thinking, finally we can breathe. There's another guy in Houston that gets shot. Mm-hmm. And you go, the only thing that you can do is try to find some happiness, mm-hmm. right? And comedians right now, I think they have a bigger job than any other time. So, yeah, I think movie stations, production companies, all of these TV channels, a Kevin Hart who went from nothing to everything, yeah. they start going, hey, these people may be the point. These may be the people we need to change the way, and we can make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Because keep in mind, no one's doing this for altruistic means. And totally. like, oh, you know what? Oh, yeah. People need to laugh, so we're going to put on more comedy <laughs> shows. No, people need to laugh, but we can make money doing it. Mm-hmm. Kevin has has proven it. Dion Cole was writing for the uh, for Conan for a while. Yeah, he got yeah. his. You know that he got on Blackish, which did well. The other thing that's happening now that hadn't happened before was there a bunch of different black shows on at the same time huh. doing well. Yeah, and they're all Carmichael different shows types of shows. Carmichael's mm-hmm. on Blackish is on. Yeah. Uncle Buck. Uh, Empire's on. Uncle Buck, Buck just got canceled, yeah. unfortunately, but they had good ratings. They did. They Actually, had good ratings. It. It was, it was I was really? shocked yeah. that they didn't that they didn't renew it. But yeah, I mean, hmm. those types of shows are, are proven to the networks that it's not a niche audience. Yeah. You know, it used to be if it's a black show, it's a black audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and now that's not true. Everyone's watching Carmichael. Everyone's watching yeah. Empire. Everyone's watching, and these are predominant. Carmichael has not had a white character on it yet. I've watched this as the first time. I'm like, you know I don't what? think I've seen that. I think you're that. right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know they like, have, I've never seen I know they a show had the episode, that has no white characters. That's weird. They had the episode with the Middle Eastern family moved next door. They did have that episode. They had the episode. But yeah, that was I the only right. episode yeah. they've ever had that the whole cast wasn't black. Yeah. Now, oh, they did have one white character. The girlfriend's father came. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. The yeah, first that's right. white character that's right. on the show. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Now, but that, that tells you how far we've gone where this is a critically acclaimed show. This is a highly rated show. People are watching it. 
and it's extremely black. And yeah. I think America isn't Chicago. You know, Chicago is segregated. <laughs> it feels funny sometimes, but the rest mm-hmm. of America isn't necessarily there. I, I want to get back to that, and I'm happy that you, you brought it back to Chicago mm-hmm. and how we're segregated. Coming from New York and Jersey, mm-hmm. where it's not like that, what are some of the reasons you feel like Chicago is like that? And tell us how out there it's not kind of allowed. Is it just because it's not enough room so everybody has to live around yeah. each other? Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, so, so two things happen here. You have so much space, yeah. right? Chicago is a big city population-wise. It was also a big city landmass-wise. And so Daly was able to, the first Daly, old Daly. Mm-hmm. Papa Daly. Papa Daly was able to build highways from the suburbs into the city and bypass the black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And he did it. It was on purpose. He, yeah. you know, Whether he was a racist or not, he knew that he didn't want the racist mixing. We'll go with racist. So we'll go with racist. We'll but yeah, he, that was set up a long time ago. For Hyde Park to be as dope as it is, the only way you can get there on that end of town that we're talking about is either by a city bus or Metro. Yeah, yeah. So it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people on Metro. People are like, oh, it's only, you know, $4 from the Millennium Station. Yeah, but if you're doing that every day. That's, that's money. That's $8 round trip. So it starts to add up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think some of this stuff is just coded in. It's like literally designed that way. Not subliminally, not, not these little, tri- really designed so that you keep every group in their own group. And the, the way the neighborhoods are set up here. If you're in a, a Puerto Rican neighborhood, the only place you can get Puerto Rican food is in that neighborhood. If you're in a Mexican neighborhood, if you go to Little Village right now, all up and down 26th Street is the best Mexican food anywhere in the city. Yeah. Period. Unless you go to Pilsen. But outside of that. I got a place in Pilsen that I mess with pretty heavy. See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said outside. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, We're going to stop in Pilsen real quick. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Shout out to so Mary's. It's, it's, sound, it's, it's designed that way. And that's, it's an interesting design for a city. Yeah. And if you go to New York and New Jersey, yeah, you're right. One of the problems is, I won't say problems, but one of the reasons they don't do that is there's not enough room for us to play those kind of reindeer games. Okay. You know what I mean? If, if I'm looking for a place to live, I don't care who lives next door to me. I need somewhere to live. I got to have yeah. somewhere to live. Yeah. It's 12 million people trying to get in 6 million places. So, yeah, it's we're not designed that way. Even Harlem, which has probably been the closest to an all-black neighborhood for a long time. That's kind of changing, though. That gentrification, right? is, yeah. that gentrification kicked in 10 years ago. East Harlem, was I thought, was going to be like the last bastion of hope because everyone's scared of East Harlem. Mm-hmm. I lived on 129th and Madison. No one was over there. Okay. I took my wife last year after we got married and said, hey, this is the house that I lived in. Da-da-da, that's my stoop. I used to sit on this stoop. Da-da-da-da. And a, a lady jogged by with her yoga mats in. Another <laughs> was pushing a stroller. And I was like... I, I almost called the police, honestly. I thought, I thought she had been kidnapped. I, I was like, she's high. She's got to be on that Molly water and got lost. So I didn't know what to do. I was like, there's a... How you call the police? What's going on? There's a white lady in East Harlem. I think she's in danger. Someone come help. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. But, yeah, it's changed. And it didn't... You know, the older people are going to complain. Anytime change happens, older people, yeah, and they're here. And there are issues with gentrification, especially when you have a neighborhood that's, that's mature. 20, 30 years, people have been living there. And some of those changes affect the people who built that neighborhood mm-hmm. on the other hand the only way we're going to get past the shootings the killings the the foolishness is for us to have an understanding of each other because a lot of racism a lot of it is just simply a lack of knowing people yeah you only know what you've seen on tv you only know what you've seen on the radio we've been taught that police officers are good i was raised to believe police officers are good mm-hmm. so when you see something the first time your instinct is to say I got to find a justification for it because this doesn't meet, this doesn't fit what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. Now, eventually, after you see it 10 times, 20 times, and you see video footage of it and you see camera footage of it and you see them lying, then you go, okay, they're just like everyone else. They're human. Some of them are good. Some are bad. The ones who lie are liars, though. 
But think about this. If you live on the north side, if you live in Old Town, the only black people you may ever see are in your office when you go to work. Where else would you see them in the city? You have no reason to go to the south side. Everything that you need is here. It's here, yep. Because the way the neighborhoods are set up, there are a bunch of restaurants, personal restaurants that you can go. You have no reason to see black people except in these businesses where they work. Mm -hmm. And so the only other experience you have with them is on TV. And Chicago's version of TV black people is 83 people shot over the weekend, 11 died, da-da-da-da. I don't want to go to the South Side. I don't want to go to the South Right, that's it. I go to the South Side all the time. I'm not afraid of the South Side, but it's mostly because I lived in New York and Jersey for a while. If you can get through that environment, you're not afraid anywhere else. But your antennas do go up in certain neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what? I will, uh, just to piggyback off that, I was watching... Um, uh, W. Kamal Bell has a show on CNN, mm -hmm. uh, United Shades of America, mm -hmm. and he went back to Cameron, yep. Jersey. Yeah, and he Camp's was talking crazy. To, yeah, and he was talking, but he was talking about how the cops actually get out the cars and walk around. Yeah, we had that. We were talking to a, 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 a Dr. Cartman uh, earlier on the show. Cartman. Yeah, and I was saying like I think that's one of the biggest things you just touched on it. Mm -hmm. If if I'm walking up and down a block. I know Mr. Williams, I know Mrs. Williams, I know Mr. Hart, I know Mr. Spurl. You know, I know these people, and mm -hmm. it's a, it changes everything. It, it humanizes it humanizes yeah. the neighborhood, but it also puts you at a different level of risk, and so that makes your decision-making different, right? Like, if I, if I know if I say the wrong thing to you right now, you could get up and punch me in the mouth, then I might hesitate to say that. But if I'm online... Mm -hmm. And you can't get to me, mm -hmm. you know, I got twit fingers. Reckless. Right. It's the same thing when you drive in this car all day up and down these streets. You have this insulation around you, yeah. and you start to feel like you're invincible. Yeah. And then you get out of the car, and it escalates real quick, and now you're afraid. You're scared. Because these cops aren't shooting out of hate mm -hmm. all the time. Some of them are. Yeah, some, some of them, them are, are horrible humans. But the guy who shot the kid in Minnesota, yeah. he was terrified. You, can, tell. you mm -hmm. can hear the shake in his voice. Mm -hmm. He killed that man because he had no business ever being a cop in the first place. Because mm -hmm. if you're that afraid of the traffic stop, you shouldn't have a badge, sir. Yeah. You're right. if, that, if you're that afraid of a man in a car with his wife and his kid who just told you, hey, I have a concealed carry license. No one's telling you that if they're reaching for their gun to shoot you. I'm right. not going to tell you I got a gun, then shoot you with it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's some cops who are unless just... Unless you're real G. Unless you're real... Dang. I'm going to reach... That's, that's that... Uh, what's your man, <laughs> your man for training day? Right. Okay, okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach in his bag, Jake. I'm going to grab my bag, and I'm going to walk out that door. Ah! Shot him in the ass, Jake. That's, that's, yeah. that's what he thought was going to happen. Yeah. He thought Jake was going to shoot him in the ass. But, yeah, nah, I mean, come on, son. Nobody's doing that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to get... I don't think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but I don't think we're out of it. No, no. we're not. No. We're not. They're kind of at the, 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 tip, at the early point. tip. You yeah, know with the tipping point, tip. though. It's still hot. It's like Chicago in the summertime. It's still hot. <sighs> D and David Show right here at ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. We don't blew past our breaks or whatever. We're going to keep on going. We got Felonious Monk in the studio with us right now. Uh, what's up? I say we, uh, we got you on the plug the, the, the event next week. Burr. Man. Yeah, Silver Room. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I still had another question for you. I want to keep on going. Hey, you, you good? Go I'm good. Let's roll. Yeah, we it. You, you, right, roll. I'm good. I thought um, we was going to go till like 7 at night. Let's no. get it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Cooking. Hey, listen. I, I love to get your 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 thoughts and your your experience about working on a nightly show, man. How is that? Man, it is one Mary of the Wilmore. most How is amazing. That? For a guy like me who does uh, a lot of heavier material i don't run from the heavy stuff you mm -hmm. know i do lgbt pride jokes i do uh jokes about negrophobia i try to find a way to make it silly enough that you can enjoy it but for somebody who does that and and who has worked in news before 
to be able to work on a show that tries to make the news funny mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know this that is one of the smartest human beings in late night tv bar none mm-hmm. this is the guy who started the bernie mac show yeah. and figured out yeah. a way to take a guy from the west side of chicago who was very chicago and make him palatable to the entire country that was a highly rated show on fox news yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. larry wilmore created that show and brought bernie in mm. the pjs was a co-production a co-creation of him and eddie murphy so we look at him and he has this very safe comfortable oh he's no he's not a threat this guy's six foot five about oh, 240 he's pounds yeah, he's right he's a huge man and he's super militant in the way that he writes he just delivers it in a way that's safe you so can kind of really, sense that you, you get right underlining I, I love think the people show, man. finally got a chance to see that at the White House White House course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I thought that was uh Yo, what you think about that? To me, that Dropping was his coming out party. Yeah. I, I so we're at this place. Like I'm I look like this. Like if you can't if you've never seen me before, um I look like I, I probably smell like incense and smoke weed all day. I don't, but I, I look <laughs> Well, like actually, we're on Facebook live okay, right now, so we, yeah, so, turn up. So, so, so yeah, keep it something to you. You know, I'm, I'm bearded up. I don't look like I'm trying to avoid being seen. Um, and I think for most of my life, I was raised that you don't do certain things in mixed company. What it really meant was don't do that in front of the white people because they're going to think we crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I got old and I realized some of them are going to think we crazy anyway. Yeah. doesn't matter how we conduct ourselves. Skip Gates is, has a Harvard degree and still got pulled over going into yeah. his own house because they thought he was breaking in. Mm-hmm. Right. So how he dressed, how he looked, what his education was didn't matter. So there's a point where it's just like your woman might tell you, I don't dress like this for you. I dress like this because it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. She's not concerned about men looking at us, it. not the male gaze. I think that was one of those coming out parties where he was like, I don't care if white people are looking. I'm going to be myself. This is how we talk behind closed doors. Whether you'll like it or not, I don't know how you talk behind closed doors. Y'all afraid to say it. Jason's scared of you right now. So you should be, Jason. You should be. <laughs> Jason, I did six years in prison. I'm a gangster. Nah, I'm, I mean, I did, but I'm not going to shoot St- you. Sticking, sticking yeah, with okay. comedy, <laughs> kind of put us up on guys who may not get the same light shine on them outside of you and Dave who that we should be paying more attention or who want to come up or who are comedians, comedians that don't get the props they deserve. Oh, in this city alone, there's so many. So there's T. Murph, uh, who does both sides of the uh, city. He does South and North Side, which is a tougher thing to do than people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Samp is funny. Um, Tanisha Rice, Just Niche, they call it. She was just on Windy City Live recently. Um, on the North Side, you got guys, old school guys, like Danny Callis, who's been doing it forever, and he's hilarious. Kristen Toomey, Natalie Jose, uh Adam Burke. This city is literally full of comics that if the opportunities were here that they have in L.A. and New York, you would have eight to ten superstar comics. It's just a bunch of very funny people, man. A lot that's, of that's funny people. That's the thing. It's interesting because, and, and shout out to mm-hmm. Dave because Dave is in L.A. right now yeah. doing some shows. So, and uh, you know, Jay Washington is gone. Big out Jay, there, yeah. Out there, yeah. Uh, Xavier Lamont uh, is 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 probably leaving soon, but I think he's going to play for like the 49ers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Six, but seven, three hundred pounds. Get a ball, dude. It seems like every few years, cats are. Uh, uh, like they they just stay here in Chicago yeah. and then they go out to the place like you know Hannibal's part yeah. of a group with like T.J. Miller mm-hmm. and uh, was a uh, my man who's on Laurel uh, is gone Laurel yeah. mm-hmm. was it the Indian uh, not the Pakistani cat uh, uh, Azar Usman is here oh oh I know who you're talking about uh, 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 he's out of Chicago too yeah called, uh, Silicon Valley yeah he's yeah. out there. I, wow he's gonna, <laughs> oh he's from Chicago he's gonna punch me yeah, in the face yeah. I know that uh, I mean, when he sees me because he's yeah. like you don't remember me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then you got New York, you got Will Miles, you got 
Clark Jones, you had Kenny DeForest. Yeah, Clark, yeah, Clark. They were all yeah, out yeah. there. Janelle James is from out here. Uh, Lisa Traeger is from out here. Wow. Um, I, I mean, just the number of ca- and all of them are working in New York clubs right now. Okay. Uh, and then in L.A., you've got that group, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Kennedy is out there. Um, oh, I, I'm forgetting a lot of people. It's a lot of people that's from Chicago. And everybody Camille's, else. Uh, yeah. Camille's, right. Everybody I'm naming is from Chicago. Marie, uh, Marina Franklin, Chicago. Like, it's just the list of Chicago cats that aren't in Chicago anymore that are doing big things is crazy. Speak- Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson just yeah. left. He's, he was here like three years working on comedy. Now he's a writer for Jimmy Fallon. Wow. Just... Boom! You come here, you work hard, you get good, you go somewhere else. That's how it works. Speaking I'll say, of, I'll, I'll say uh, Camille Nanjani, that's one. Thing. Yes. Right. Speaking of uh, Hannibal, what were your thoughts when he killed Bill Cosby? <laughs> <laughs> you know that. So I don't know Hannibal like super duper well. I know him. I know him well enough. We've been around each other a few times, and Hannibal is not a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. This is a joke he's been doing. He had been doing that joke for months. Yeah, I seen it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That wasn't a new joke. He just happened to do it in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is Bill's town. Mm-hmm. And there was a writer that happened to be there. He, I don't even think the writer was there on assignment. I think the writer came to see the show. And when he heard that, he went home and did some research and went, oh, no, that's true. And wrote about it. Mm. Two, two problems I have with that. One, Hannibal was absolutely just telling a joke. He, didn't want, it wasn't, he wasn't trying to kill this man. Uh, I don't think he was trying to avoid killing him, but he mm. wasn't trying to. The joke was very clear. Look, y'all stop giving me a hard time about saying bad words. Bill Cosby rapes women. Mm-hmm. Y'all are mad at Bill, but y'all are mad at me. It's a funny premise. Mm-hmm. Once it got written up, you see the other side of Ugly, which 23 women had already accused Bill. Yeah. Why didn't we believe them then? Mm-hmm. Why did it take for Hannibal Burris, who was completely separated from the situation, and all he had done is Googled it. He wasn't there. Why did we believe him instead of the 23 women who actually had already said this happened? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it stopped him from being from trying new material Hannibal is a comics comic Okay, he writes jokes that he thinks are funny and hopefully you think they're funny he doesn't avoid topics because he thinks they'll be controversial he just writes what he thinks is funny but trust me on this one if he knew that all of that would have happened I think he would have at least hesitated Okay, I don't think he wouldn't have done it because he's still again he's a comics comic he's like you know what this might cause some trouble but I'm going to do it but I don't think he had like this inherent hate for Bill or it was no malice with the joke. It was just a funny joke. I'd seen it before. It was funny every. I laughed every time I saw it. Do you do you think if he if like if he had that sort of foresight that he may have saved it maybe for a bigger platform, maybe a specialist that would have been on a Netflix uh, as opposed to like, like video because like, like you said he was working on he was working on the video. maybe uh, you know, he was, maybe he wasn't fully flushed out. So the thing about stand up is there's really no such thing as horrible. Um, like, if you're not committing crimes, there's no such thing as bad press. Mm-hmm. The toughest thing for a comic to do if he doesn't have a TV show is sell out a spot. Mm-hmm. So how, how are they going to know about you? They'd have no. It's not like the old days where people just showed up to stand-up clubs to see stand-up comedians. Right. They don't go to see anybody now until you're already a name. So that article did more to catapult his career, unfortunately, than him being hilarious yeah. on all of these shows for years yeah. and years. It was a great thing for him. So I, I think I don't think he would have saved it. I think he did it. I think he handled it the best way he could after the fact, which is I'm not doing interviews about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be that. I mm-hmm. just told a joke. That's all it is. I mean, look, if Bill Cosby raping women, that's what he gets. If Bill Cosby raping women, I don't feel bad. That's about exactly. It. That's what exactly. <laughs> Real quick, uh, we had Dave on. Uh, tell us more about Blipster and what's going on with Blipster. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of stuff. We have uh, every Saturday night with the Revival tonight at ni- uh, 10 o'clock. 
Come on out to 1160 East 55th Street. I'm the greatest at this. 1160 East 55th Street, 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, it's the revival. We call it the Green Room. The Green Room is where comics really get loose and kind of let off some steam. We try new jokes out there. We, t we joke each other back and forth. So the Green Room was the name we came up with uh, because we do blips to life everywhere. We've done it at... at uh, the Laugh Factory, we had a Sunday night show. We've done it at the Promontory where you saw us. Mm -hmm. um, and we mix music, we mix comedy. We've started to blend some sketch in, but it's got to be really, 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 really good sketch because sketch and comedy don't all stand up, don't always mix. Um, we took that as a group to Second City. So that's part of the Afrofuturism movement. It's our stand up plus some of Dave's stand up mixed in the sketches, some of my stand up turned into monologues. Um, and then we have some of Second City's better sketch performers that come in. And then next week, uh, next Saturday, in fact, during the day, the Silver Room used to have the best block party in Wicker Park. Okay. Uh, they moved to um, Hyde Park in 2015. I think they moved in 2015. They may have moved in 2014. Whatever year they moved, they stopped having the block party. After a decade plus of having this great block party in Wicker Park, which shut the streets down. It used to mm -hmm. uh, short, shut North Milwaukee down. Okay. Beautiful block party. It's where I met Dave, actually. Hmm. They're finally bringing it back. This will be their first year in Hyde Park, and Dave and I are one of the hosts, uh, uh, two of the hosts that are going to be there. So we're taking blips to life, which is just black hips to life, which literally just means we wear funny hats a lot of times. <laughs> what we're talking about, you know, Sometimes we wear dashikis or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool vibe. We bring people together. Uh, the jokes aren't – the jokes come from left field. You don't know what type of comedian you're going to get that day. Dave's very cerebral, got a slower delivery, mm -hmm. tells a lot of stories. You know, I'm a, I got a little more energy. I'm louder, and my jokes aren't always direct. You don't realize until you go home. You're like, oh, he was joking, and he didn't really mean he hates all of us. I mean, I do hate him, but just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when I say I hate young people, I don't mean I actually, like, want harm to happen to him, but I'm just saying if it did, I wouldn't cry. That's, I'm, that's what I mean by that. If you all died, I would be okay with it. But don't kill yourselves. But if you do die of natural causes or bullets. <laughs> or bullets. <laughs> Or get hit by car. You know what? Nah, I don't <laughs> care. Playing Pokemon yeah, Go. Yeah, nah, playing Pokemon Go and you run out in the street because you think you can catch a Squirtle, you deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> Squirtle's not even a powerful, whatever. Real, real quick, what's, what's next for Felonious Monk down the line, man? Where, where are we going to see you at? What, uh, what's your next move, move? So I just signed with uh, Principato Young. Uh, it's a big agency out in L.A. Uh, doing some more writing. Uh, I'll be back on the nightly show probably in the next week or so. I just looked at my arm like there's a watch there that isn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Yeah, uh, I'll be back on the nightly show probably next week, sometime in the middle of the week. Um, Second City is doing a show. We're taking it to D.C. at the Willie Mammoth Theater, so I'll be helping to write that and perform in that. Um, working on a, working on a uh, sitcom. Mm. Uh, with Dave, we're trying to put it together and finish pitching it to some places, and nice. we'll see where that goes. But, you know, the biggest thing for me right now is in the next four and a half weeks, I had this little boy coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I know my wife's listening, so I'm not going to say, look at all kinds of things happen. Don't mention my son. Uh, shout out to Selassie, a.k.a. Woke Baby. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to meet you, little guy. There you go. Uh, yeah, so having fun. Uh, maybe I'll do a radio show. Hey, we appreciate hey, it. Hey, what's up? We the appreciate it. Open door policy, dude. Anytime you want to come down. Come back. Come back. All right, you look, come back, man. Come yeah. back. I can we do that. definitely appreciate it, man. Yeah, I can definitely do that. A healthy birth to your woman. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, man. We appreciate it. Painless, hopefully. Right. See, I'm telling you, they're really clapping. <laughs> you people have a quality spot here. This is a quality look, we spot. We want to thank Felonious Monk for coming down. We'll be right back here on the Dear Davis Show.